Welcome to the first episode of International Voices in 2021. I'm your host and moderator, Udo Fluck, and I have the honor to oversee the Office of Global and Cultural Affairs in Arts Missoula. We started International Voices in February of 2020, so this is our first year anniversary. To listen to the 11 episodes from last year, please go to artsmissoula.org, click on Global and Cultural Affairs, and visit radio and podcasts. International Voices is a monthly podcast brought to you by Global and Cultural Affairs of Arts Missoula and The Trail 1033. We live in a time of great tension and uncertainty in democracies around the world. Countries have both revealed and intensified deep divisions within their societies, raising fundamental questions about the strength and fragility of democracy. This podcast will feature an intercultural dialogue around democracy and freedom. We will talk to two guests about the idea of democracy itself, what strengthens and weakens democracy, and how the concept of democracy relates to the indigenous communities in Missoula's sister city, Palmerston North, in New Zealand. It is my great pleasure today to talk to Chief Viramu Teaveave in Palmerston North. Later on in this podcast, we are joined by the chief's wife, Trieste Teaveave. Our conversation is facilitated by audio conferencing technology. Me in Missoula, Montana, my guests in Missoula's sister city, Palmerston North in New Zealand. The chief's tribal family has been a part of his community for over 800 years. During that time, they have acted as the guardians over the natural resources, including the Manavatu River that defines the region. Chief Teaveave has served his community in a variety of roles over the years, representing the needs of the Ragitani, the chief will share a traditional blessing to start our conversation today. Ake ake, amine. Marayo hine takutona i huru tonu atu, ki te ahua turanga, kahoki mai. Ki te apatio manua tū, ko tararua e tū nei, ko manua tū e rere nei, ko te ahikaro, ka rangatane iwi, rangatane rohe. Nā te hini au, te rangatapai a taku hapu, urumu kingi te awe awe taku inua. First and foremost, we gave honour to God and asked for his blessing to be on today in our kōrero. And then I went on to say which are my tribal links and to say Amanga, Tararua, the mountains, our river, Manawatu, our hapu, and our iwi for Rangatani for this particular area in the Manawatu. So that's what I've just done there. And to say that my name is Wurumu Kingi Te Aweawe. Nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Kia ora. Thank you, Chief Teaveave. 
Now, most listeners are probably not familiar with Maori culture. Could you please tell us about Maori culture in New Zealand? Well, I could explain it this way. Perhaps coming forward, we could call us Kiwi and New Zealand culture, but you go anywhere in the world and you ask about New Zealand, they say the haka. Right. And, you know, like you look at Scotland, Scotland has the bagpipes. Right. Um, uh, the Dutch have the clogs and windmills and things like that. But you ask anything about New Zealand and it's the haka. So the haka relates back to the indigenous people of this land, the first people of this country. Right. And so that's, um, it's important to us. It's taken us 100 year, 128 years for us to get, see the grievances in our treaty recognized. And we've only just come up to that just over the last couple of years. Our language, which is most important to us, has been finally recognized. So the official language for New Zealand is Maori, English, and um, sign language. So that's a major breakthrough through the treaty for us. Now, thank you. This, this I think, helps to for us to understand um, a little bit about um, Maori culture and a little bit about the background that uh, is so important when, when talking about Maori culture. At a time when European governments were authoritarian and hierarchical traditional uh, cultures, traditional tribal governments were based upon principles of democracy, equality, freedom, and respect, to name but a few. Can you talk a bit about Maori representation in the New Zealand government? Well, as you said, we have the treaty, which is one of our first and founding documents for the whole of New Zealand. The good thing there, in our, in our democracy over here, we have the general seats and we have the Maori seats. And we have a choice of which one we wish to go into. Obviously, you have to be Maori to be in the Maori right. electric. Right. And we don't have anything as how much blood line or if you are Ma if you have Maori, then you are Maori. Okay. Of Maori descent. Right. It's just it's just like you know you said an Irishman, how, uh, he's Irish. You don't say to him how much Irish have you got in you. He's Irish. He's Irish. You you did question him. You know what they're like. Right. So it's, and it's the same same thing with us over here. Now we have representation of uh, seven seats in Parliament for Maori. Okay. Only you have to be Maori to stand in those seats. Non Maori can't. Okay. So we have seven electrics, electrics where we do we 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 do that and we write on. Now we have, as I said, we have the Maori role and we have the junior role, and Maori can jump on the junior role if they wish. Ah, okay. So we have two options. We don't have to stay on the Maori role. We can stay on the junior role if we wish. And there's quite a few of our people that do. And, of course, we have the problem like many countries in the Western world, people don't appreciate that they can vote and are too lazy to vote sometimes. I don't know what it's like in America, but in New Zealand, except your last election, that looks like it was pretty full on. Right. Okay? So we have seven seats, and that was... That came in 1867 when our parliament was first 
put together. Okay. Now, there are some that wish they could abolish those seats, but they can't because it's written in law. And we have the option as Māori whether we wish to abolish them or keep them. And so far, we're keeping them. Okay. That's our... So, okay. so the current governmental structure has existed since 1867? Yes. Okay. How do changes... With Māori. With, with right, Māori. right. How do changes to your government come about? Uh, we have elections every three years. Okay. And it's done by the ballot box. And that includes um, country election and regional elections? Yes. Well, it's sort of, we have our parliamentarians come from each region. Okay. Okay. Probably a little bit different to how you guys, we, we find it hard trying to understand you guys. And we keep ours very simple, you know. But we have um, regional uh, guys that stand for parliament. Okay. They get elected from each area. Probably very similar to how you do in the States with Texas and all of that. Right. Now, what structures exist to help people voice their concerns about the government? Okay. Obviously, we have our local members of parliament. If we have a gripe, we can go straight to them and they take it forward, okay? Right. Um, yeah, they, they, take, they, they take our concerns on whatever we have, whether it be pollution, whether it be um, being unfairly dismissed from a job or something like that. Right. But obviously they're taken in priority and urgency. So that's what we do there. So that's for the whole of New Zealand. Okay. Am I made that clear or is it, are you getting a bit lost on that? Okay. Now, what safeguards exist to ensure the people's voices are heard and the will of the people is implemented in government? Uh, we have a thing called select committees. Mm -hmm. and, and they meet and, and, and they, you got to get so many signatures, like say if we wanted you to have a brand new car. Oh, okay. Uh, we, we run around and get support for you to get this brand new car so you can drive to Parliament. We have to get a whole lot of signatures for that, and then it gets brought forward to the select committee, and they address it before it goes to government. I see. Though that's one step in between, basically, is the select yeah. committee. Yeah, yeah, select committee. Okay. And they, they all, all the different, all the different representatives of Parliament meet. You know, like there might be one for the National Party, one for the Labour Party, one for the Maori Party, one for the Green Party, and those they also they all sit around a table known as the select committee. I see. Okay. Um, do you have uh, a constitution or another governing document or set of rules? And since when has that constitution been in place? Okay. Number one, we don't have a constitution. Okay. Number two, we have the Treaty of Waitangi. And the principles of the treaty and partnership and our policies are governed by that. And so that's, that's the very one, important. That's, that's the, the one. Of, go ahead. No, that's that's where we have the Treaty of Waitangi. That's our founding document for Māori and non-Māori. And that's the one from 1867? Yes. Okay. Just to make... Sorry, 18, 1840, the treaty was first signed. 
18... Lord Lord Chief. Ah, okay. 1840. Not that the foreman in the government was in 1867. I see. So the treaty goes back even, even further. Yeah, before. Okay. Um, how can changes be made to it? What, what would it take to... To make changes to the treaty? Yeah. That's, in, that's, that, that's set in stone. Ah, okay. So that's it. Final document. Yeah, that final document. So it's, it's kind now, of the constitution now, here. Yeah. Now, getting to non-Maori to recognize that, that's where we have the fun and games come in. Right, right. Now, um, in talking to you before and in the little bit that I know um, about New Zealand and Maori culture, a lady by the name of Nanaya Mahatu was New Zealand's first, and I don't know if I pronounced the name correctly here. Uh, it was a little bit up, but you did very well. You did very well for a German-American. <laughs> Thank you. Um, she was New Zealand's first indigenous woman to hold the position of Minister of Foreign Affairs. That's correct. And um, she will join what is becoming one of the most diverse parliaments in the world. And the Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, said they bring experience from the ground and from within politics, but they also represent renewal and reflect the New Zealand we live in today. What, okay. does, what does this type of ancestral resilience mean to the Maori people of New Zealand? Well, it's all important to us. Number one, we're very proud of her. And number two, she could hold that position whether she was Māori or non-Māori because she has that ability. Well-educated. Now, the thing, next time, if you ever see a photo of her, she has a moko koai on her chin. Traditional. And she's had that done uh, last few years. She's had it done. And a lot of the Māori women in New Zealand, including my daughter, she gets her one done on the 20th of February next month. And she's going the ancient way of tap, 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 not done with a, with a thing. And it will be saying who my daughter is. So those things for our people are very important. So next time you see a photo of her, you'll see it on her chin, just there. Which so is, that, that, that's, 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 go on, sorry. Which is to clarify a tattoo that will be basically under the lower lip. Yes. Just to and yes, and you will see if they have both lips done, upper and top lip, that means they're people of high ranking. Ah, okay. And if you just have a normal one, which means my daughter, first of all, because she's coming through, will just have just have the one and then she later on as she goes. But the big thing is my daughter is getting it in there's two thick colours. There's blue and there's a reddish colour. But I don't, don't think they use a reddish colour too often, but there's a blue and there's black. Now, blue means you're high ranking. So my daughter, when she has hers, will be in a, in, in a dark blue, not black. Okay. So there's just, just something. Sure. But it's interesting that there is a lot of meaning to colors, for one, and also mm. to these very traditional ways of identifying a person's status within the society. Yeah, well, it, it, 
in our society, my daughter is the first in about three generations or two generations to do this. Wow. For our tribe. And um, uh, it's not done lightly, you know. Right. We, um, I don't have to talk on the negative, but we get some uh, gangs over here, you know, they, they, they tattoo their face and they should never be doing that because you only, when you put that, those things on your face, there's a whole corridor. It's right. a whole speech about you and it says who you are and what your tribe is. But sometimes it's been bastardized by these guys doing these things, and which is which is not very good as far as Maori concerned because we take those things very serious. Right, right. Mm. Now, but getting back, to, getting back to her, she's very competent in that job. Right, and we're very proud of her. Wonderful, and and I, I mean, just hearing you say that um, is so interesting because there is this. As you said, this tradition. She is, uh, she is one in the family line for three generations that is doing mm. that now, and so mm. um, that must be something that is very meaningful to her family to be yes. part of that. Yes. Now, here's an interesting thing. We spoke, I could be diversing it, but we speak about culture, and you know, in our culture, we don't allow the woman to sit in the front row. You know, when we do the welcome, right? And she has to adhere to that. I see. Even the prime minister in New Zealand comes, not allowed on the front row. That is for the men. He, if she's the prime minister, she would be just slightly back, but she would have a speaker that will speak on her behalf. Okay. That, they're doing the, you know, the traditional welcomes, as you know. Right. So those things for Māori are, are very strong. You can be the president and queen of England. You still don't sit on the pipe. bye Right. And this originally came from the idea to protect uh, yeah. the email from yeah. any kind of yeah. aggression that yeah. might come from the other side? That's, that's correct. See, the other side of that is too, it's very important, but what everyone forgets is that you can't go on to the marae until the woman calls. So technically, who's having the first say? Technically, it is the woman. Right. Because a woman in fight, you remember when you came on? Right. The, all our women stood up there and then, and, and called you on. Right. We did the widow, the challenge, and all this. Right. But you couldn't go on until a woman calls. So it's not as as if men are everything. No. Provider, right. protector, look after the woman. However, it's still, and that needs to be known, you know, because people listen to this probably thinks, oh, it's all male dominated. Oh, no, it isn't. Very right. much so. A, a we, let them have, we, we let them have their say, you know, but we're still the bosses. Right. <laughs> Upon but closer, they, tell us, they, they tell us which way to turn our heads. Sure. <laughs> Upon closer inspection, you're saying it's actually quite different. It's the yeah. it's the ladies that invite people into the house or to you the. You can't party. go on unless they call. You can't go on unless they call. Right. Or invite you. Right. Hmm. Um. I don't know if that answers your question, but it sort of explains a cultural thing. But when right. she's very she's very good on her job. She was minister for the environment, and as you know, my role on council, she she was very good there too. Right. No, and I I think that the fact that um, she she stands for this um, for this new for this new uh, appreciation, perhaps for this. Um, renewal and and uh, 
believe in New Zealand, uh, in New Zealand government, and and so many governments are now changing. And you probably uh, have heard the government here that is currently forming will also be much more d diverse than uh, governments of the past. Very much so, with your vice president. Right. Right. Exactly. Now, mm. how do these groundbreaking rules? Um, and these groundbreaking um, changes and the roles affiliated with those filled by indigenous peoples help repair the government relationship with indigenous peoples that have been devastated by historically non-diverse cabinets and parliaments with policies that really once focused on, on the opposite, on dislocation of uh, indigenous populations? Yes, a couple of things I can answer you this way, and I'll speak for our area here in the middle too. Okay. I'll do a quotation from Te Piti Te Awe Awe. You remember the statue in Te Marae the square that we took yep. you to? Yep. This is his quotation. What he was saying to us, we have to walk next with the non-Maori. He was speaking to the Rangatani tribe. We have to, but we walk together in peace. The, the pinnacle of that being walking together in peace, not arguing over who's who in a zoo. Right. And if we look at, we all want the same values, don't we? Right. We want jobs. We want homes. We want to be able to send our kids to school. We, we don't wish to have racial problems, which we shouldn't have. One of the things, Peter, I think for us in New Zealand is, has been integration. Right. You know, I mean, look at me. I'm very fair. And you have to, you know, some people say, oh, you're Māori. I. But that's very, that's very important to us. Right. And... You know, it's, it's it's not how much blood we have, how much like you guys in India with that you did with the indigenous people there. It's whether you have Maori, then you're Maori. We don't have anything. Are oh, you half caste, quarter caste, one sixth, one eighteenth? Rubbish. What you have is what you have. Just like we have Parkia in us too, and Scottish. Sure. I can take you to this place called Foxton down the road here, and I think I told you uh, we went there to the calf out in the country there and had our fish and chips. But there's people down there with names like McGregor, McDonald's, dark as anything. Right. Mate, I, I get visitors from Scotland. I say, go and meet your cousins down the road. They're dark, mate. And they're Maori. And their name's McGregor. Their name's McDonald. And their names are Charlotte's and Shailers. But they're still Maori. Right. Still Maori. Right. Mm. But still Scottish too. Right, right. Mm. Um, exactly that. Building on that, what hope does this provide for indigenous youth and emerging young leaders? Can they change the system to embrace um, racial equity? The recognition of the treaty has done a lot of that in New Zealand. And we have now, I'll, I'll, speak, I'll, I'll speak on, we have regional council horizons, right? Right. It's, uh, 12 of us who have been voted around that table to be in. Right. Now, I was fortunate enough to be voted in, not co-opted. 
But we now have, as coming through with our treaty, co-governance. So we have to have now, if we have six uh, members of, uh, of the regional council, then we have six members of the iwi sitting around a table. Now, in our area, we have 16 iwi. Okay. All right? Not just the one. In Manawatu, it's different. In town, it's different. But when we go outside of here, and incidentally, I fuck a papa or, or, or can tie into a lot of those different iwis. Right. So somehow we've got to figure out how we get 16 different iwis together to agree that six people will represent them. And we have those, you know, that say, oh, well, you know, and get all uppity and things like that. But it's come a long way. Right. Yeah. But but the but the non-Maori will say to us, oh, well, we're voted on. How come they just get on? And then we remind them our relationship with the treaty and co-governance. And the government is pushing this big time in a lot of areas, and it's law. Right. And so, I re- go on, sorry. I, I remember when you and I talked, and yes. it might have been going as far back as when you, when I first met you, when you came mm. together with your wife and the delegation from New Zealand to Missoula in 2018. Oh, with John Hornblower, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah when, when, when you said that um, it's important to, to realize that our struggles of the Maori people and the recognition of what you just said, what is on the plaque, on the square, walking mm. together in peace is not yes. something that that goes back a long time. It's something that oh. you said took a lot of, of, of energy and effort mm. to actually establish. But you also told me, I remember that when you said once it was established, people just accepted it. And people just said, okay, from here on out, this will be the way we do things. And so I remember you told me that Maori is taught in schools. Yes. And that there is an appreciation within the society to, to see Maori culture as equally important than non-Maori culture. Yes, yes, very much so. Now, just a couple of things, and, and you've opened up a, a very wide question in just a couple of things. We didn't have utopia before the the non-Maoris came. Right. So we were always fighting over something, whether it be woman, land, um, or, or, or fight for the sake of fighting. <laughs> sure. Um, and I think it's like that in, in, in America. So for us, now don't get me wrong, I'm going to give you a bit of a quotation here. The missionaries come, look, there's good Christians and bad Christians. The bad Christians told us marriage to look to heaven. And while we were looking up there, they pinched our land. Right. However, however, as you know, in our area here, it was the gospel that brought peace between the tribes. Stopped us fighting, stopped us hitting each other and brought peace. Okay? Right. So, and, and what a lot of Maoris forget especially these young, educated ones coming through university, forget that the missionaries did help the Maoris a lot by getting the government of the day to honour the treaty 
which they didn't. You know, so the so the so the, the Christians were were helping the Maori very much so in the, in that period. And a lot of our people forget that they just say, "Oh, it's colonization." Part truth, right? But there's there's a whole truth. You need to look at the whole truth if you're going to. And and you you know the story of our Marae out here. And if it wasn't for that, we would be still fighting over things. I mean, sometimes we fight as it is. So, but right. this is something that that what worries me and it might be a controversial statement I'm going to make. I see the rights, you know, for the, for the um, American Negro. I don't see the same rights coming through for the Indian people, the indigenous people of America. Right. And I sometimes think, okay, we see, you know, Black Lives Matter, and, and, and that's very important. But I, I don't see the, the indigenous people of America at the forefront there. Right. And so it's something that we look at as Māori and think, these guys have got it all wrong. they still got it all wrong. But they haven't got it wrong. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes. The, 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 the slave trade, and bad, bad, bad. But I suppose if we look at the upside of that, I look at the many people that are making good money playing basketball, they're not exactly white, are they? Hmm? Yeah. The musicians, I see they're making it on the scene musically. They're not exactly white. Right. So had those people been back in the country where they came from, would they have still had the same things they appreciate today? No, I, I, I do... I do see your point, Verimu, and that is that within within society, there are mm. certainly um, there are certainly groups that are uh, getting the recognition yes. uh, they should have gotten long, long time ago. But mm. at the mm. same time, there are other co-cultures that do not. And, mm. and you you're pointing out Native American culture. Uh, I think well, they, many would agree with you. People, eh? they, are your, they are your tangata whenua, they are your manu whenua of that land. Right. Eh? Very much so. Right. No, you're, you're, I, I do understand. I do understand your point. And I think that has been exactly that has been um, a big issue is, you know, how, how can this be, aligned how how can this what you described as a a walk an equal walk next to each other in peace how can that be achieved and Mm -hmm. and i think that that is um still a big challenge yeah i mean because i i I see your history in, in you know alabama and all that stuff down there and some horrific things happen to people you know and 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 we have same stories in new zealand of things like that happening Sure, and, and it's bad, but, but we need to look at how we can walk together today. Right, and I, I and think, I think that, that is. A I think that's where we're very. That's that's where we're very important in New Zealand. The two races have mixed. Right, and perhaps with the new developments, with the new current administrations in New Zealand and in the U.S. Yes. Do you, do you believe? that there is a new dawn in, in terms of electing government officials that are more representative of what our nations are made up of, including 
indigenous peoples, minority groups, people of color, women, members of the LGBTQ community, to name but a few. But do you yes. think that, that we have arrived at this new dawn? I think uh, this, this sounds very familiar. This, this word was preached way back in the 60s. The new dawn of Aquarius, wasn't it? Yep. We all thought we had the answers then. But we are slowly working together, eh? But, yeah. Down the track, if we look at some of the... You, you, you spoke about um, representation. Um, it's very important, eh? But at the end of the day, we've got to be able to walk together. Right. And if I look at Israel, it's 50-50. If I look at America, it's 52-48. Is that, is that about the, you know, who had Trump and who wanted uh, Biden? So most of the world is very much divided. Right. In, in, in their viewpoints on things. And, and We're fairly fortunate there's only 5 million of us here. Yeah, but you're pointing out uh, an interesting uh, point of this, and that's why we thought it would be a good topic for um, for this February podcast. And that is that what is happening currently in the United States is not an isolated thing, but right. it's it's happening all around the world. Mm -hmm. And this division that you just talked about, this um, this this need to come together. Mm -hmm is probably now more important than, than it ever was before because yes. of what's at stake. Yes. And, and not to say that there wasn't much at stake before, but certainly now when we look at how this division can weaken um, societies and democracies, that's yes. when I think it gets to be very scary. Well, well, the scary thing with us, it's taken us 128 years just to get our treaty claims recognized. Right. We've been pushing hard for our language. Um, we're trying to get it compulsory in schools. At, at um, bilingual, there's bilingual classes, there's total immersion, like, you know, my grandchildren, Maori is their first language and English is their second. Right. But, um, but our young ones coming through, we have to learn that the world is changing all the time. I mean, look at your kids. Now, you go to talk to them anywhere, we right. talk to the forward because they're too busy on those phones. Would that be a fair enough comment? Yeah. And, 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 and they are savvy and it's their world. So we have to try and marry the two together. That's right. But I, I found for me with my grandchildren, they're very confident. Māori's been their first language. They were brought up on taha Māori values and things. Right. Now, but they also, my daughter sent them to, I would say, the normal school, which was a high, high, girls high in Palmy, right. which was for secondary school. And it was good for them because it prepares them to be strong in both worlds. Right. They, they're strong in the Maori world. They know who they are. Right. And they're strong in, in, in the non-Maori world. Right. Okay. Can I have a talk just for a minute? You don't have to put me on. Oh, sure. <laughs> Oh, hey, 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 on these women are coming in, they're taking over. <laughs> I, I, our foundation, which is, if you've got a firm, nothing works unless you've got a firm foundation. It's like building a house, okay? Right. 
our firm foundation in New Zealand has been that uh, Māori were recognised from non-Māori that uh, it was their land that they've come and taken. Right. Okay? So a treaty was made with Māori that uh, they would look after Māori and their land and make sure that that land was kept and looked after for them. Uh, mind you, through the years it hasn't, but it's being healed now. Right. When I look, over, when I look at America, in New Zealand, we don't see that foundation with the, the, the First Nation people. We see it, the fighting and everything that goes on there is between black and the European government. It's not with Indian or, or with the Indians in that area. And until when your foundation has been uh, rocky, it's because that we feel your first foundation was, wasn't done properly. That's how we see it as Māori. But we're okay, and because we've got hundreds of different ethnicities now living in New Zealand, and we've got people calling New Zealand multicultural. Right. And we're saying, and New Zealand and the government say, no, we're not multicultural. We buy culture but because of the treaty between us and Māori, and, and that's what keeps us together, actually. That's the key. Right. And those who have come in, Māori embrace them and make sure that they're looked after and make sure that their language is still in their area and with themselves. But with Māori, we make sure that that's, that's stayed together and so has government. And that's what I think, for me, I believe, that keeps us safe. So the, the glue that holds it together, basically. Yes, that's the glue that holds it together. Yeah. And um, the and it's the government who have made sure and kept it, mind you, through the years. Like I say, it's been the, sure. uh, but because it's was a found foundation, uh, a, a, a firm foundation. Right. You will find that it always comes back to that. Right. Right. But when it's when it's all not firm. Um, then you're going to have all these discrepancies with different ethnicities in in your place. So I mean, we've got wow, quite 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 a few here in New Zealand, but we make sure that we don't disrespect them. Right. We make sure that they know that we are a bicultural because of that. Right. I just thought I'd put my little bit in. No, no, that's good, Trieste. And I so appreciate um, you you sharing that because I think that helps me and hopefully uh, understand. to understand it better because I think I think that is ultimately the question is how can you um, work towards a society that walks next together in peace, but that is also connected and what binds that society together so yes. that you don't have that division that grows and grows over time. Yes. So Correct. I think that that's really, uh, you know, just listening to you, um, mm. it, it makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah. And especially the metaphor that you used with the foundation. If the foundation yeah. is solid, it, it will absorb it was, a lot of shock or a lot of impact. Yeah. But if the foundation isn't solid, if it hasn't been quite figured out yet, yes. then it's easy to be rocky yes. because it's not a solid That's idea. right. So. Correct. And I, I think that's the key uh, with any anywhere you go. And um, we've and and that's why right up till today, we can now come back to that solid foundation and bring it up to to what it was and, and government are hearing it. You understand? Right. It's not right. it's not all fluffy ducky down when it where it started. Right. Now which is easily. Right. Now, um, as, as good as this sounds to have this solid foundation, what, are there any, any pitfalls of your system of governance? Think that, things that you and Virumu might have seen that, that, are still, that could still be improved um, as time goes on. Yes. Um, uh, there's always pitfalls. There's always room for improvement. Uh, but there's always, yeah, there's always room for improvement. Right. And uh, we as Māori have that say now with government and we, a lot of us use our values that comes from the treaty and our, our family values that Māori have because of our treaty with with our Pākehā people, I'm saying, and uh, our respect, number one, respecting each other's culture, you know? Respect the government's culture, and in turn, they respect our culture, if you can understand that. Right. And that's what, that key of that foundation brings us together to walk and listen to our, our pitfalls, and if there's right. a pitfall there, then they will work together and say, okay, let's do this. Okay, let's do that. Right. See how we can bring that together. And, and I mind you saying that it's, it's the firm foundation was laid right at the beginning many years ago. And that's where we are, are blessed in that way. Right. And I would agree with you. Mutual respect has yes. to be um, the top priority. Number one. Um, without, without that, you can't move forward. No, that's right. And all the new, all those who come to live in New Zealand, like the different ethnicities, we respect their culture too. Sure. And sure. in turn, because of that res respect, it's recipro reciprocated, if I can say it like that, back to us. You know? Right. That's how it works. Right. In society today. Thank you, Trieste, for, um, for, sharing your opinion and for adding to the discussion because I think though that was a unique perspective that goes very well together with what Viramu was saying. So yes. Um, thank yes. you. Thank you. Kiora. Now see we, we, we do let we do let women speak. Yes. Uh, as, examples, as examples showed and 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 very well spoken. Mm -hmm. Um just um just if I may yes um just back up to what Trius was saying. 
we get a lot of people coming into our country, from, as she said, from overseas, and they're demanding this and demanding that. And we say, oh, Taiho, no, 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 no. You can go back to the country where you came from, Aussie, right. Middle East, China. That's their, that, that's their country. Right. We can't go back over there. Like a lot of people say to me, oh, we're all one now, we're all Kiwis, you know. And that, that's fine. But no, there's the Māori, the Indigenous people, and there's the non-Māori. Right. And I, I think that's, that's, that's a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of people who use, it, use that. So it's so important. And can you imagine me go to Ireland, you and I, and we lived in Ireland for about 20 or 30 years, and we say, oh, we're all Irish now. I say, oh, Wolf, you're a Kiwi. And you, you're, a, you're an American German. Go back to your country. Hey, and that's, that's reality. But the other side of it is this. I think America has been a great country allowing all the people over the years to come into the Italians, Absolutely. The Irish, you know. You, Absolutely. German. So, you know, it's a big thing to figure out, but oh, what a major. But, but, yeah, I mean, this, this issue of, of racial equality is mm. is is really one that um, that is uh, that is so important to to address and to figure out because otherwise there will be no um, peaceful walking next to each other and it yeah. will always it will always be uh, differences that will prevent this from from successfully happening so yeah well we we've, we've had over here. Uh, different uh, ethnicities demanding that they have their language put up and, every, you know, and, and Māori have said this, wait on, it's taken us 120-odd years to get our language even recognised. Right. You've been here five minutes and you're demanding that. I say, get in the queue. Right, right. You know, um, and, and... It's a good point. Yeah. These things don't happen overnight. And no. there's a certain process to it. And, mm. and it's important that the process is started and is in motion. And, yeah. and, and then it can lead to success, hopefully. But you're right. Yes. It, it cannot be that, um, that those processes that have taken a long time and a lot of thought and energy went into it um, can, can basically be topped by something that that is uh, a fairly recent development or that, that yes. didn't have the time to, um, to mature perhaps, or yep. uh, to have an equal stand um, along with the others. I agree. Now, mm. shifting a little bit, uh, Veramu, yes. from, um, from our discussion up to this point, I, yes. wanted to, um, I wanted to talk about what happened uh, in the United States uh, last fall and the election. And I'm curious to know, as the world was watching last fall, um, as the U.S. election unfolded with predictions throughout election day and the first evaluations immediately mm -hmm. after the polling places closed, are news agencies in New Zealand allowed to announce election result predictions while the polls are still open? No, the polls have got to be closed in New Zealand and then they're all doing the counting and then we say, you no, know, it's all done that day. Right. 
we know who's going to be, obviously our system's a lot, probably a lot simpler than yours. And there's only 5 million of us, mate. So, right. You know, but we've still got the America's cup for sailing. So, so that, that would answer my next question. How quickly are election results in New Zealand announced after the polls close? You basically say within, within a day. Within a day. Okay. Okay. And then now, we know who the coming in that night. Right. Um, now, the coverage of the tragic events of January 6th in Washington, D.C. went around the yes. world. Mm. What went through your, and I'm sure you've talked to tribal members uh, through their minds, watching or following um, the storming of the Capitol? Disbelief. We just couldn't believe we, we just couldn't believe what we were seeing. You know, here's a country that flies the flag for democracy and the freedom to speak and free speech. But I sometimes think it might have been, in my viewpoint, sometimes you get you get radical people that infiltrate uh, a movement. And, and make it look worse than what it is. Probably you've seen it happen in, 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 in um, Asia and that. And you've probably got some troublemakers in there that just made it worse for everyone else. You know, the genuine guys, and, and, and I remember there was people standing back and said, no, 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 we're, we're are for peaceful. And, and, and you get those radicals. And, and in my viewpoint, you probably know more than me, but I, I thought that would be a lot of those people uh, jumping in there and they're, any, they're, they're all in all protests. You know, you get the radical ones that want to smash the cars, beat up everything, and there's you and I that want to just walk peacefully. Right. Now... Um, but total disbelief with what we saw. Right, right. And I've, I've um, heard that from other people I talk to outside of the United States and how they how they saw the news as, as it unfolded. And they said, we were in shock. And like you said, a total disbelief that this, yes. that this could happen. Now, when we think about our conversation about mm. democracy and freedom in societies, mm. it has to address and involve the issue of trust of the society and its members in its elected government. And, and government to be governed implies trust, trusting those who represent government, not blindly, but informed with confidence and passion is important. And, and I think it's important to, to remind ourselves that that a certain amount of trust is needed to to function and and to also um, to also give the government the opportunity to govern. And I'm saying this because when I look at uh, COVID-19 in New Zealand, mm -hmm. unlike in most other parts of the world, is under control. According to a media release from January 22nd, 2021 from the New Zealand Ministry of Health, 
There were nine cases, nine cases of COVID-19 in managed isolation in all of New Zealand. Yes. How has your government managed to truly flatten the curve? And how has the population dealt with COVID-19? What do you think contributed to the successful flattening of the curve? Okay, we, number one, we attacked it head on, closed the borders, right? Um, and then also, if you have a certain gener vintage, <laughs> you, <laughs> did you like the way I put that? Yes, very nice. We, we, we weren't allowed outside our front yard, our, our, our door. We right. were total down. And I think that was one of the secrets that made it good for us. And, and the people listening. And the people listening. And and that's what I'm government. that's what I'm what I'm getting at here is this trust thing. You yes. you trusted the government, your government, saying yes. if you are of a certain vintage, stay indoors. No ifs and buts about it, no excuses. Yeah. Yeah. Just just listen and trust. And you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yeah. And everybody so, did. Not not just you. Yeah. But everybody. Mm -hmm. So here you have this little little two islands down the bottom of the world, and we see countries like America, France, England, Germany, all brought to their knees. Yes. And and you know I feel sorry for the English people. You know that some of them have been locked up for six six months now. You know. But they they did it too late. They 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 should have right at the beginning hit it hard, perhaps like we did. Right. Now, now, do people in New Zealand feel that the COVID crisis is impacting or has impacted their freedom? Oh, yes, yes, yes. There are those are running around saying it's Big Brother. Um, and Patrick, it is Big Brother, but we, it's, we had to do it. If we didn't, we'd still be in lockdown. You, you Although we've had, a, we've had a, today... We've had an isolated case case come up in North Auckland, uh, you know, with someone who's who was cleared. So they're checking out what the heck happened. This one person, but anyway, it's broken out up there, but they've contained it. Right. So far, so that's hot off the press. That one. Right. Um. This was incredibly interesting, um, very much to talk to you. On, on all fronts, on, on the original um, information that you provided uh, on the Maori culture and mm -hmm. how important uh, it, it was and is for the Maori to, to share what the process has been to get to the point where the Maori society is today in this walking alongside each other peacefully and that that wasn't something that happened overnight, but that it took a long time and careful management and guidance to get there. I also yeah. appreciate your um, your thoughts and uh, and feelings and sharing those with me in regard to um, what what went through your head and heart um, on January sixth when you saw uh, what has mm -hmm. happened. And I'd like to close our conversation with my last question. And that is that it is believed that 
the Maori people came to New Zealand over a thousand years ago from Polynesia. As a chief of a very old society, what is your advice on the current challenges democracies are facing around the world, not just in the United States, but as we said earlier, there is a, it is a much bigger problem. What can we learn from a society that is over a thousand years old? And as you said, starting out today, even your tribe is over 800 years old. Um, can I answer you just in this one? You and I and the human race learn nothing from history. No. But as, as for us, as, as, a, as a people, education is very important for our people. I'm going to give you a quotation, Māori quotation. Okay. So what I've just quoted is, if you were to ask me what is the most important thing, it is people, it is people, it is people. And that's the only way that I can, can, can wrap it up. And yes, we've all got our faults and, our, and, and you know, we're not perfect. And every time I think I'm perfect, I try walking on water and I sink, so it's back to the beginning again. But, <laughs> but you know, if enough of us good-hearted people did look at the good things, and there are a lot of great things, us Western world should be thankful, so thankful for the freedom which we have, especially when I see what's happening in Africa, I see what's happening in the Middle East. Oh, we haven't got a leg to stand on. We should just be so thankful. And I think this COVID has made us appreciate mum, dad, and the kids, appreciate the grandparents. You know, and I, I think it's so a big, big wake-up call for us as, as, as the world. I would agree very, more, uh, very much so. And, and I think that uh, what you just said um, really is the quintessential um, thing to learn. And that is mm -hmm. that it is, it is about the people. In the end, it, it, that's all that matters. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and when one, I think, really looks at this as in compassion for others and, yes. and uh, uh, communicating and collaborating with others, it all comes down to, uh, to, to what really matters is the people. And I, I can tell you just a little anecdote here. Um, when we came back from uh, the delegation visit and um, Tom Benson, mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes when he has an opportunity to talk about the connection uh, of our sister city, Palmerston North, with Missoula. And um, he is asked, what is one of the things that resonated the most with you? Um, he says exactly that. And he can even say it in Maori. Uh, and, and then, of course, you know, when you do that with an audience, you, you have their attention. 
because they're hearing something that they can't immediately understand. And so you listen up. And then Tom usually gives the translation and says, this is um, a, a Maori a Maori summary of, of what is really important. And that is, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people. And the fact that you emphasize it by saying it three times has this impact of, it's not something to be taken lightly, but it's mm. something that is essential. And I just, I wanted to tell you that because it has happened on several occasions that Tom has shared that. And what you just said, it, it is this connection um, of the people and that that is what perhaps moving forward is really the best advice that we could, that we could have. Yep, that's, that's great, Peter. Now, I thank you so much for this interview. I, I hope um, it might be a little New Zealander's view of the world. But as in our tradition, we open up with karakia, so would you mind if I, I close with Karakia or did you, is there something else you want to say? I would be honored, uh, Veramo, if you would. Okay. I'll do a little bit in English and then in Māori. Okay. Almighty God, I thank you for my brother. Lord, I just ask you, just bless him. Bless this corridor we've had, this tape. Bless him and his family. Encourage him, I pray. And I do lift up our whole world, Lord, that you've given us and it has plenty full of everything for everyone. So, Lord, we have many problems. But, Lord, only at the end of the day, it's only you who can help us through these. So we just ask a blessing on all the people of Montana, all the people in that wonderful sister city of ours. Lord, bless them and encourage them, I pray. And we look forward to reuniting, perhaps doing something for our 40th. Kia tau, kia tato katoa. Te ato whāra tō tātou āraki e hukraiti, me te aroha me tātou, me te whiwhina tahitanga ki te wairau tapu, āke āke, āmine. Kia ora. Kia ora, Virimu, and thank you so much for your time today and for speaking to me. My guest for this first International Voices podcast of 2021 was Māori chief Virimu Te Ave Ave and his wife Trieste, Te Ave Ave, in Palmerston North, New Zealand, a sister city of Missoula. As always, thank you for listening. Those of you who are regularly tuning in to International Voices know, being of German descent, I usually end with a German farewell. Dankeschön fürs Zuhören. International Voices is brought to you by Global and Cultural Affairs of Arts Missoula and the Trail 1033. This and previous International Voices podcasts can be found at artsmissoula.org and the trail 1033.com. If your interests are in global and intercultural education, programming, cultural and global competence, and international affairs, we hope you continue to listen to International Voices. 